Bank Stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. How many times this team rips my heart out? I'll never stop loving the Los Angeles Dodgers. Think blue, bleed blue, and I'm out. What is up, Dodgers Nation? Happy Friday, and welcome to another episode of Dodgers Dugout Live. My name is Doug McCain, credential member of Dodgers Media. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. And we've got a jam-packed show for you. We're going to talk about the Dodgers infield and specifically the shortstop position. Is Gavin Lux the long-term solution at shortstop, while the Dodgers don't need to go out there and trade for a Willie Adamas. We're going to break down the latest Dodgers rumors, where they stand with Josh Hader. We have a team that the Dodgers do not like, Dodgers fans do not like, that is reportedly going all in on Josh Hader. And another reliever that could be even better than Josh Hader next season that the Dodgers are rumored to be interested in. All that more here on Dodgers Dugout Live. By the way, this episode is brought to you by the Dodgers Nation app. If you do not have the Dodgers Nation app, I don't know what you do. If you're a Dodgers fan, download the app. You got highlights, scores, everything we do here, stories, videos. You're going to find it there. Also, gearup.la for the best Dodgers gear in the game. And another reminder, we are so close to the Shohei Otani jersey giveaway. Less than 500 subscribers away from 80K. And once we hit 80K, we're giving out that jersey. And all you need to do to qualify to be eligible for the giveaway is one, make sure you're subscribed to the channel, which you're going to want to do anyway, because one is going to be a big year for Dodger baseball and you don't want to miss the things. You're going to be subscribed for that, but also comment down below. So comment down below, done, subscribe to the channel and you'll be eligible to win. And for today's Dodgers dugout live poll question, I asked you guys over on Twitter about Gavin Lux. Should Gavin Lux be the Dodgers' long-term solution at shortstop? And right now, over 1,000 votes and 62% of Dodgers fans say yes, while 38% of Dodgers fans out there say no. So I'm going to try to convince you why Gavin Lux could be the Dodgers' shortstop of the future. Also asked you guys over on Twitter, what are the biggest questions the Dodgers have to answer this season? We'll get into those in a little bit. But first, let's dive into the comment section, guys. It's Friday. If I have any of these Giants fans, by the way, who've been sending me DMs, telling me I'm crying about the Giants giveaway, giving me those 15,000 Mickey Mouse ears, which I think it's going to be funny. They're going to probably have a Giants logo on them. Can only afford 15K. Like I said, they are absolutely worried about the Dodgers. Dodgers aren't thinking about the Giants. But we got who wants to take a trip to San Francisco to get some Mickey Mouse ears? That's from Noise by Noel. Yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. Dodgers fans are going to flood San Francisco that day. And you're probably just going to see them under the seats. They'll just throw them away. And that'll be that. And then when the Dodgers play the Giants, any Giants fans in attendance, they can give them clown noses or something like that and give them to that organization. But I need a beer and some Dodgers conversation. What up, Mr. Seabed? Yeah, I actually owe you guys a shoey. Got to get some beers, though. We got this new 
studio here, incredible studio here located in South Pasadena. All the bells and whistles, but got to get the beards in here because I owe you a Yo Shui Nobu Yamamoto Shui. Still haven't given you the Yamamoto Shui yet, so we'll do that at some point next week. We got Showtime LA. Doyers need lefties in pen, not righties. Yes, Showtime LA feels like you're a everyday listener, a guy who watches the show every single day because we've been talking about that. Absolutely, you want to add a lefty to the pen. That's why long time ago, during the season, watch the episodes in the middle of the summer, I was advocating for the Dodgers to go out there and see if they could get Marlins lefty Tanner Scott. I've been the conductor of the Tanner Scott hype train. That's what I've been. I still believe that if he becomes available, that the Dodgers should do what they need to do to acquire him. Now, Josh Hader is a different story. We won't go too deep in the weeds on that. If you want more on Josh Hader, watch yesterday's episode. But it's really a cost factor, right? Do you really want to put a lot of money into a closer that is looking for a contract north of $100 million. But I got someone today that's going to be a lot cheaper than a Josh Hader that could have an even better year next year. Only problem is he's a righty. But I don't think that should preclude the Dodgers from pursuing him. But let's go down below the comment section. Hey, Doug, what up, Dylan McKay? Good morning, DMAC. Good morning, Frazier. Let's go, Dodgers. What's up, DMAC? Jose Ayala. Missed a lot of live streams lately, Dylan McKay. Don't worry. We actually just got back to doing the morning live streams because we have moved into our new studio. Yes, it's like we went from the Coliseum to Dodger Stadium, and this is our Dodger Stadium now. Hydrate, Doug. You sound sick. Interesting. Actually, I have no water here, and uh, I'm actually pretty pretty hydrated. But uh, what's up, Craig? What's up, DMAC? Go blue. We got some football fans talking about this weekend's game, the divisional round. Yeah, how about uh, Taylor Swift? Taylor Swift is the reason why the Chiefs are where they are. You're going to see a lot of Taylor Swift. I uh, think you might see a football game break out at that Taylor Swift concert up in Buffalo. The Trastros get hater if we don't. We can't let that happen. That's from BC. Hugo Villas, what up, DMAC? You big Dodger dog. Hey, what up, Hugo, over there? Hold up. Let me go download that right now. Absolutely download that Dodgers Nation app. We got done, done. It almost sounds like I'm doing dun-dun-dun from Frazier over there. We got uh, dun-sun, short-term, fine, long-term. No. Okay, so let's jump into the first topic today, and that has to do with Gavin Lux. Now, one of the big questions entering this season is, will Gavin Lux be able to get it done as the Dodgers' everyday shortstop? And just to rewind, you know what happened last season. It was during spring training. Gavin Lux was going to get the opportunity to be the Dodgers opening day starting shortstop, a position that he said is everyone's dream. He said that it's everyone's dream to be the shortstop for the Los Angeles Dodgers, and Gavin Lux was going to realize that dream, but unfortunately, he was injured during spring training. He was rounding second base, headed to third base. You had a throw that he was trying to avoid. He thought maybe it was coming for his head, and that made him make an awkward step there. He ends up tearing his MCL, his ACL. He even hurt his hamstring on that play, and he made strides during the season. He was with the team, working out. You saw him on the non-gravity treadmill and all the things he was trying to do. He's even hinting at the possibility of maybe trying to return at some point last season. Of course, it was unnecessary because Miguel Rojas, he did an adequate job filling in for Gavin Lux last season. But Lux has waited. Lux has 
waited patiently for his opportunity to be the Dodgers' everyday shortstop. In 2021, he filled in for Corey Seager when he injured his hand. And then Trey Turner, he was there for the 2022 season. Well, he's finally going to get that opportunity in 2024 after missing the entire 2023 season. Now, I see people out In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. They're saying the Dodgers, if they can get Willie Adamas from the Milwaukee Brewers, they should absolutely go and do that because Willie Adamas is someone that does hit home runs. Willie Adamas does have pop. Don't get me wrong. Last season, Willie Adamas hit a ton of home runs for a shortstop. He's someone that every year is going to be a high-variance player from a pop standpoint. There's no doubt about that. The issue with Willie Adamas is, is there's a lot of boom and bust. There's a lot of strikeouts. And offensively speaking, I don't think that he moves the needle enough to justify trading players, top-level prospects, and not giving Gavin Lux the opportunity to see what you have. If you look at Willie Adamas last season with the Milwaukee Brewers, he did hit 24 home runs. He slugged 407, but he hit 217 and had a 94 weighted runs created plus. So for all the people saying, Willie Adamas hits home runs, he hits home runs, he hits home runs. Also, he was a below average player. He was a below average player bad it's like someone who goes out there and just dunks a basketball and he's hyper athletic but you don't do the little things right you don't have the consistency through all your entire game and I think with Willie Domus, if he was a player that was a 110 weighted runs created plus player someone that struck out less maybe you consider doing that but I think right now if I had the option if I'm the Dodgers of seeing what you have in Gavin Lux can he be that guy can he play one of the most premium positions in all of baseball in the shortstop position? You owe it to yourself to see if he can handle it. You owe it to yourself to see if Gavin Lux can be that guy because if he can, he's someone that's under team control for multiple seasons. He's someone that can grow into being the Dodgers' long-term solution at shortstop. He's in his first year of arbitration, so you have three more years of Gavin Lux under team control. If you can hit on a shortstop, it's almost like hitting on a quarterback in the NFL, right? Because then, okay, he's on your rookie contract. He's on your pre-free agency contract. You can use that money on starting pitching. You can use that money on improving your bullpen and finding a bat here and there. So I'm absolutely all in on the let's see what we have in Gavin Lux this season. I am a card-carrying member of the 
Gavin Lux hype train, the Gavin Lux fan club as far as someone who I think that can absolutely get this job done. Because, look, with Gavin Lux, if you look at the year that he had in 22, if you look at the season that not a lot of people talked about because you had so much talent on that team, you had Mookie, who's Freddie's first year, you had Trey Turner, who is in his platform season trying to get his numbers up, Gavin Lux in 2022 hit 276, had an on-base of 346, had a 399 slugging percentage, and you saw the walk rate at 10%, the strikeout rate at 20, around 20%, did hit seven home runs, six home runs. You want to see the power numbers go up. But he was a 114 weighted runs created plus player. So he was 14% above league average. Last season, Willie Adamas was 6% below league average. So if Gavin Lux could just get close to replicating the season that he had in 2022 while playing just average defense at shortstop, you got something. Because that's what I look at for young players. I look at signs of solid and glimpses of greatness. And Gavin Lux has had glimpses of greatness. Just look at him becoming the youngest player to hit a home run for a Dodgers player in a postseason game, which he did in 2019 against the Nationals. He's someone that was one of the top prospects in the sport. He was the top prospect for the Dodgers, and he just hasn't had a clean season. The opportunity to go in there and really show what he can do. 2020, it was the COVID year. 2021, start at second base, got the runway there, had dealt with some injuries. The offense wasn't where he needed to be, but he has made some mechanical adjustments. You've seen him flatten out his swing, and you've also seen him at Dodger Stadium this offseason working his ass off. He's someone that has put on muscle. He told me last year during spring training that he wanted to hit more than six home runs. And one thing he was trying to do to add some more power was put on muscle. And he has done just that this offseason. So I think that if you're the Dodgers, moving off of Gavin Lux would be extremely premature. It would be extremely premature because they have so much talent at so many positions that you're not going to lose the World Series because Gavin Lux is your shortstop. You're not going to finish in second or third place in the NOS because you're seeing what you have in Gavin Lux. Look, the Dodgers didn't lose last season in the... In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. NLDS to the Diamondbacks because of Miguel Rojas, right? And Miguel Rojas is someone that offensively, he's not an explosive player. He's not going to tear the cover off the baseball but he can get it done defensively with the gloves. So not only do you have Gavin Lux and a guy that has a lot of upside and potential, but if he can't get it done defensively, which, look, the reality is we don't know, and we still have to see it, but if he can't, you have Miguel Rojas, who signed that extension. He's under contract until 2025. He still is a top-five player at that position defensively, so he is a Band-Aid, right? He is a breaking case of emergency at that position. He can provide that depth. But you have to see if you want to get married to Gavin Lux 
at the shortstop position, right? You're dating, right? This and that. Hey, you shouldn't get married until you move in with them, right? Until you go on vacation with them. See what they're really like, right? And that thing, that's what the Dodgers need to do this season. They need to see what they really have in Gavin Lux. And a few months ago when Andrew Friedman was on the show, I asked him about Gavin Lux and how confident the organization was in him that he can be that shortstop of the future for this team. Yeah, when you look at the shortstop position, got Gavin Lux coming back. Just kind of talk about the future of that position and how much confidence you have in him. Yeah, it uh, that kind of kick-started some of the unfortunate events of, of 2023 when he got hurt in that spring training game against the Padres. Uh, we were really excited for him to get that opportunity. Uh, in 2021, when Seager got hurt, um, Lux took over and played really well at short. He's incredibly rangy, and at second, taking him to a new position, you know, sometimes the feel part of the throws is hard because you're used to ripping from yeah. the shortstop spot. And, you know, we just have a lot of comp. He grew up a shortstop. Um, and now we have to layer on this knee injury and how that's going to affect things. I think seeing how he went about his process, um, you know, gives us a lot of confidence. But this is not rehabbing, you know, Daniel Hudson's yeah, yeah. knee injury. This is a dynamic, really twitchy athlete of making sure we get that back. Uh, no offense to Daniel Hudson and <laughs> yeah. his athleticism and twitchiness, um, but we feel really good about where he's at right now. So, yeah, that sounded to me like someone who is very confident in Gavin Lux. And, look, I can tell you from talking to Gavin Lux, from talking to Andrew Friedman, from talking to people within this organization, they have so much confidence that not only can he be, at the very least, a contributor to this team, they think that he can be a star. They think that he can be an all-star. I talked to Freddie Freeman last year during spring training, and he told me that they all felt like he was going to hit close to 300. And just think about that for a second. Close to 300, meaning bat-to-ball skills, meaning the ability to put the ball in play, to get a key base hit. What happened in 2021 against the Giants in Game 5? Who got that big base hit late, right? It was Gavin Lux. It was Cody Bellinger. They weren't swinging for the fences. They were putting the ball in play. Willie Adamas, tons of boom and bust. Yeah, you're going to get the home runs, but do they need it? They're going to get bombs from Shohei. They're going to get bombs from Muncie and Mookie and Freddie and Outman and Hernandez. They have plenty of pop in this lineup that I think Gavin Lux brings them a better dimension for what they need. Because one of the concerns you may have is what if this lineup goes cold because you have a lot of guys swinging for the fences, a lot of guys looking for slug. That is not what Gavin Lux does. He's got a sweet left-handed swing. Like I said, mechanically, he flattened out that bath path. He changed things up a little bit. He smoothed out the mechanics, refined them a little bit, and he can hit for more contact. He can have more success against breaking balls. So not only do I think that he provides the better option as far as the investment long-term because of how affordable he is compared to other shortstops that are down the pipeline, I just think that what he brings as a player specifically is something that this lineup needs. You need a guy that can put the ball in play, right? You need a guy that has some bat-to-ball skills and is not looking to leave the yard 
for every swing. And then, of course, Freddie's a pure hitter. Mookie's a great hitter. Shohei's a great hitter, too. But down that lineup, to have Gavin Lux batting ninth, I think it's going to be an asset for this team. Because, look, we're at the point where, yeah, Willie Adamas, defensively, is he better than Gavin Lux? No doubt about it. There's no question about it. Willie Adamas is one of the better defensive shortstops in the sport, but he's essentially Miguel Rojas with a better bat and a better smile, right? That's what Willie Adamas is. You still have a Miguel Rojas who is as good, if not better, than Willie Adamas defensively, right? And then offensively, for as many home runs as he hits for a shortstop, he's not league average offensively. It almost feels like, look, you want that shiny new toy, right? Look, let's not forget, you already signed so many great players this offseason, and sometimes the girl next door is the best one for you, right? Gavin Lux is the homegrown talent that they need to see what they have in him this season. And guess what? If it doesn't work out, you can address things on later. And look, there's just not a lot of shortstops that are going to be available. These guys do not grow on trees. In fact, if you look at last season, in all of Major League Baseball for qualified shortstops, there were nine shortstops in the sport that were league average bats. You had Corey Seager right at the top, J.P. Crawford, Wander Franco, who isn't in the sport anymore, won't be in the sport anymore, Bo Bichette, Francisco Lindor, Xander Bogarts, Bobby Wood Jr., Trey Turner, and Dansby Swanson. So you had nine league average bats last season, none of which were Willie Adamas. And if Gavin Lux, if Gavin Lux can just replicate the season that he had in 2022, where he had a 114 weighted runs created plus, where you saw the bat-to-ball skills, yes, just six home runs, but if he could replicate that same season and play average defense, that would be top seven shortstop in the sport. So I'm all in on the Gavin Lux train, the Gavin Lux experiment at third base, and yes, when you look at a, as Andrew Friedman said, a twitchy athlete, someone that is very athletic. I mean, this is someone that embraced that role of seeing what he has in the outfield, seeing if he could play corny outfield. He definitely struggled in the NLCS playing center field, and that just wasn't his natural position. But how about giving the guy some credit for keeping an open mind, for doing whatever he was told to try to help this organization, right? He did not bat an eye, and he had a good attitude about it. By the way, he did run into the wall, and you saw the tape out there. I think that was one of the greatest moments of that season. Also injured Cody Bellinger, hurt his ribs out there. But he is someone that has waited patiently for his opportunity, and I think this is going to be the year that he gets it. And if you look at Fangraph's projections for the 2024 season, their Zips projections for Gavin Lux, they have him playing 107 games, having 462 plate appearances, slashing 267, 343, 416 with a 331 weighted on-base average and a 109 weighted runs created plus. So Fangraphs Zips likes Gavin Lux. Fangraphs thinks that Gavin Lux can be an above-average bat. It's just coupling that with average defense, and you feel really, really good about it. So like I said, let's put the Willie Adamas to the Dodgers rumors to rest. Let's do it today. Let's bury it. Let's not think about it because this organization is not going to be able to be a sustainable winner for the duration of the Shohei Otani era unless they hit on some homegrown talent. I mean, 
You look at that 2020 team, how much homegrown talent was on that team, right? Lots of guys that were drafted and developed by this organization. Corey Seager, the World Series MVP. Cody Bellinger, he makes the impact plays defensively. Has the go-ahead that home run that ultimately was the game-winning home run in Game 7. Walker Bueller, Will Smith, Clayton Kershaw. The list goes on and on. And it's not just out of pride, right, where we can look at the haters who are saying, the Dodgers like to build their World Series, right? They like to buy their World Series. Look, it's a combination of built versus bought, right? And sometimes when you build a World Series champion, you're acquiring players via trade, and you're trading players that you develop. So I think it just all is wrapped into your roster build at the farm system. If you don't have great prospects, if you don't develop players at an elite level, you are not going to have sustainable winning. Just ask the Anaheim Angels, right? Just ask the Angels that haven't sniffed a postseason for a long time and won't for most likely a long time. So Gavin looks at shortstops, a homegrown talent that you have to take a chance on. And I think, I'm telling you right now, I think he's going to have an above-average season. I think he's going to impress you with his ability to play that shortstop position. Because let's not forget, I see people out there saying Gavin Lux is a second baseman. Gavin Lux came up as a shortstop, right? And you played Little League out there. I know you did. When you're the best player on your Little League team, you either pitch or you play shortstop, right? And these guys come up playing shortstop. Look at Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts turned into a one of the best outfielders we've ever seen defensively, a six-time Gold Glove Award winner. Only reason why he was out there, Dustin Pedroia was in Boston, right? He was in the infield too. So Gavin Lux's natural position is the shortstop position. You have Dino Ebel. You have Miguel Rojas. You have a strong organization surrounding him. And that's why I think that he can absolutely, absolutely carry that position. I'm not going to go as far as saying he's going to be an all-star or anything like that, but I have all the confidence world in Gavin Lux because I think that he's going to be someone that is going to have a huge impact on this team, just like he did in 2021 and 2022 in certain opportunities. But I think he's going to do it for an entire season. But let's go down below in the comment section. I want all your Gavin Lux takes. Am I crazy to think that Gavin Lux is the guy? Because he's been putting work. I've talked to him. He's hungry. He's ready to go. And I think that he believes that he's the shortstop of the future. Remember, this is the guy who said that being the shortstop of the Los Angeles Dodger is every player's dream that means something to me we got done what's up dmac what's up dodgers fans we got i believe lux will be awesome at short that's from 275 vet miguel rojas makes contact but he only hits pop-ups that's from gavin that's from tiffany over there so yeah look i mean there's no doubt about it i mean miguel rojas frankly is one of if not the worst offensive shortstops in the sport but defensively that's why he's still in this league and he ain't that guy that's from Gary A so Gary A disagreeing with me on Gavin Lux we got Joseph Guetta Lux got to turn into a Corey Seager evil twin and smack the ball out of the ballpark when it's clutch time done yeah Joseph look here's the thing let's not compare him to Corey Seager right that's unfair that's unfair that's like Every left-handed starting pitcher coming up, trying to compare them to Clayton Kershaw because Corey Seager is a generational talent. His hit tool, you really can't teach. That's special stuff. That's when the baseball gods, they bless you with 
the ability to hit the baseball like that. You're never going to see Gavin Lux hit like Corey Seager. That's not in the cards. But what I think you can see is more of a bat-to-ball approach, a guy that can hit for average, that if he gets to 15 to 20 home runs, you'll be happy with that. That's just par for the course for a shortstop in this sport. Let's not forget, defensively, it's a very difficult position that's even more difficult now with the restriction on the shift. But uh, we got Joseph Guetta. Lux got to turn to Corey Seager. We got Diane Schroeder. Yeah, absolutely. Smash that like button. Drop those comments down below. The number one Dodgers show on YouTube, Dodgers Dugout Live, on the number one Dodgers YouTube channel, the Dodgers Nation YouTube channel. Like I said, I want to see you guys win a Shohei Otani jersey and I can give one away the second that we get to 80K. 80,000 subs were less than 500 away. So if you're new to the channel, make sure you're subscribing because we're doing tons of giveaways all season long. Autographs, tickets, jerseys, you name it, we're giving away here at Dodgers Nation. Showcase Walker so you can trade him. Okay, we got that one. Send, this is from... Teresa Garcia, send good energy to Gavin. We are all behind you, Lux. Have a great season. Samuel Ellis, I think Lux can be a top 10 shortstop. There aren't many above average shortstops. Absolutely, Samuel, and that's basically my point throughout this is it might seem like there's a lot, but there isn't. It's like you think there's 20 good quarterbacks in the NFL. There's not. There's like 10. Same goes for shortstops. These guys don't grow on trees. There's 10 average shortstops defensively and offensively combined on planet Earth, right? That's why it makes it even that much more important to see if Gavin Lux can be that because if he can, you have him on an affordable contract. But I agree, Sam. He's a career shortstop. I do not know why so much hate for Gavin Lux. That's from Diane Schroeder. Give Lux a chance. That's from Diane Schroeder. Lux had one good year. Gary A., he also had only one good opportunity to have one good year. I think that's important to point out. First... Flat underscore live. DGAF if Gavin Lux hits 10 home runs. As long as he plays great D and good batting average, I'll take it any day. You got someone Lux needs to bring the D. We got uh, Lux will bat 300, have 20 home runs. That's a fire take. Fire take. Fire take right there. That's a bold prediction. Lux is good. I want to give him a chance. Jay Silva, I'm for giving Lux an opportunity, but he does make dumb mental errors. Let's see what he does. Yeah, Jay Silva, all fair points, but so do a lot of young players, right? That's not something that's exclusive to Gavin Lux. That's not even exclusive to baseball players. Young people do you know, dumb stuff, right? You got to learn through experiences. Sometimes you have to experience something to truly learn your lessons. And sometimes, does Gavin Lux have mental lapses? Sure, there's no doubt about it. But I think they're magnified because of all the hype that surrounded him when he came up through this system, right? And he plays a glamour position in the shortstop position. He has turned into a polarizing player, but other thing too, if you were to trade Gavin Lux, you'd be trading him on the low, right? Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to even consider that? What if you trade him and he turns out to be a great player that you had under team control at a premium position? This organization's not stupid, right? They've proven that for a long, long time. That's why I don't even think it's on the table. Gary A. might not win the World Series because of Lux either. Hector X. Lux deserves an opportunity. We got, damn, I liked him. That's from Justin Lombas. Joshua, thoughts on Jonathan Arise? I know we signed him to a minor league deal. We'll talk about that a little bit. BC, Lux was hitting near 300 before a late season injury when Slump brought it down to the 270s. Yeah, he hurt his neck. 
And when he returned, he wasn't the same player. And that's a great point, BC. And that's another thing for Gavin Lux is he has to stay healthy. He has to avoid injuries. And that's going to be one of the biggest keys for him is can he have a uninterrupted runway stretch at that shortstop position where he's not making trips to the I.L., where the back isn't flaring up, the neck isn't giving him issues. But you're right. He did struggle once he returned from that injury down the stretch. He ended up hitting in September. He hit 189 that year. October, he hit 105. Went just two for 19. So the postseason that year versus the Padres, he ended up going three for 13. So if he had stayed healthy that entire year, I think there's more people that would be even more excited about what Gavin Lux can do. So that's a fantastic point, BC, over there on YouTube. A little echo here. I'm taking this off. Exactly, Bubba. This kid's earned a chance to prove himself. Just Lamas. Bubba, we gave him a good enough chances. Not good enough. Plus, he's a year older than Soto, different in levels. Soto's going to make $550 million. Lux is a below-average player with no defense. Justin, you know I respect your baseball acumen, but who are you going to sign, right? Are you going to trade for Adamas, who's under one more year of team control, and extend him? That's unlikely. And with Gavin Lux, like I said, let's see how he takes advantage of this massive opportunity that he has in front of him where he has an entire organization backing him. And I think it's somewhat of a softer landing because the offense is not going to rely on him, right? You're going to get your numbers. You're going to get your runs and home runs with the Otanis and Betzes and Freemans, and it's going to allow Gavin Lux to have time to grow into that position. They're not asking for him to hit 330 home runs in year one. They're just trying to have him sell into the position, and as he acclimates into it, you have Miguel Rojas, who is the best substitute teacher in all of baseball when it comes to that position. So it really just is a, a, a major big upside for this Dodgers team to have a Miguel Rojas in the fold that they can plug in there if they need him, and that's why they did it. Has anyone talked to Lux to see how he feels? Lemon 818. I have, actually, and he's feeling really great heading into this season. DMAC, what if Lux doesn't perform? What are the options at that point? Juan Jimenez. So glad you asked because they still have Chris Taylor, who played a good amount of shortstop in certain opportunities last season. Chris Taylor is someone who is in the third year of his four-year $60 million contract. Last year, he got back to over above average at the plate. Defensively, we know that he's not going to be your everyday shortstop, but he does give you some insurance if you need to have him in there as a contingency plan. And then, as mentioned before, there is Miguel Rojas. Look, I guarantee you there's a lot of teams out there that would like to have a Miguel Rojas. I see Fernando Valencia saying a Tim Anderson. Look, Tim Anderson is someone that defensively, he's not great. He had a really down year last year at the plate. He still has gone unsigned. I don't think they're going to sign him. And I think it'd be more likely that they would address that position with the trade during the year if they wanted to go that route. But here we got, um, I love you, Miggy. Lux batting nine hole is a plus. Yeah, absolutely. You can turn the line over for the top of the lineup. So a couple more Lux takes from you guys, and we're going to get into the latest Dodgers rumors here in just a second here on Dodgers Dugout Live. Why did the Dodgers keep one of the best? So Ron Parnell, I like that you bring that up because I asked Andrew Friedman, period, point blank, on this show. I said, look, I want to get your opinion on this, Andrew, because it was during the World Series. 
Corey Seager was going into God mode once again, leading the Texas Rangers to the World Series, and Dodgers fans everywhere were saying, why didn't the Dodgers keep Corey Seager? They should have re-signed Corey Seager. How did they let Corey Seager walk? And what Friedman told me was they felt like they never got an opportunity to make a counteroffer. They never got an opportunity to match whatever the Texas Rangers were offering him, which ended up being 10 years and $325 million. So that tells you, I like that luxury at the ninth hole. I like that's a fire take. I'm going to use the fire take for that one. That tells me that the Dodgers never had the ability to match that, which confirms that Corey Seager did not want to be a Dodger. If Corey Seager wanted to be a Dodger, they would have made it happen. I'm confident in saying that. And at the very least, I'm confident in saying that they would have made him an offer at least close to $325 million. You also have to consider the state income tax at over 13% in California as opposed to Texas where they got no state income tax, right? I think that Corey Seager said to himself, look, I won my World Series here. I wasn't, I didn't sign here, right? I was drafted. And when you draft someone, that tells you that they weren't adamant on being there. You don't ever know. I mean, I think he probably warmed up to living in L.A., but it's a lot of factors in play. But I still believe firmly that if he wanted to be the, a Dodger, they would have made it happen. I also want to point out, too, that they made him a contract offer before the start of the 2022 season or at least tried to engage in talks on a contract extension. But Seager is a Boris client. It was never going to happen. And then Trey Turner, you really hurting yourself over re-signing Trey Turner someone who probably won't be at that shortstop position for much longer. His defense grayed out at below average. He struggled for most of the year until he turned it on of late. So I am not worried at all. They never even considered bringing back uh, Trey Turner. That was never a thing. I mean, they were not swayed by his hype video where you had John Hamm narrating it. He can slide. Did I mention he slides? So that was definitely never going to happen. That was never in the cards. Justin Lamas, they already... Hit on enough, homegrown talent, Will Smith, Outman are enough. I disagree. I think you need one or two more guys as far as position players to feel good about what you have moving forward. Let's not forget, Talisker Hernandez is on a one-year contract, right? And you have Betts, how long is he going to sustain his prime? You have Freddie, how long is he going to sustain his prime? Those are all valid questions. And I just think for the health of the organization overall, you did the developing, right? Okay. You did the developing, and that's what is most important. And look, the reality of all this is affordability. It all comes down to that. You can't get these guys that are premium players at a premium position on discounted rates. Otani or Freeman in the two spot? Good question, David Sabatini. I've kind of bounced back. I think most likely as far as just giving him the most opportunities to drive in runs, you're probably going to see him batting in the three-hole, right? Because you have Mookie. He's your leadoff. Freddie Freeman, he bats in the two-hole there. And we know that he has power. 29 home runs last season, 59 doubles. He's a pure hitter, can hit to all fields. But if it were me and I was Dave Roberts, one, we'd probably have a couple more World Series in the last couple years. But two, I would be batting Otani in the two-hole because I think the protection between Mookie and Freddie and you can have him there with the speed. Let's not forget we know Freddie Freeman, he's still a good amount of bases last year when everyone was looking like Ricky Henderson on the base pass with those pizza box bases and the restriction on the ability to go to first base and the engagement rules. But Otani's fast. 
Otani is someone that can be a menace on the base pass, and he can get power in the two-hole as well. Most important thing is you're getting 15 at-bats from your best three hitters, and no matter where you place them, one, two, or three, you are going to get that with Mookie, Freddie, and Otani. But I would like to see him occasionally in that two-hole, and then I think you will see Dave put in there in the three. But, uh, yeah, for sure, we got uh, Lux was drafted as a shortstop. Exactly, Kersey. Done. Yeah, definitely comment done down below so you are eligible for that Shohei Otani jersey. If Diego Cartaya is Diego Cartaya coming in spring training, I'm sure he'll be involved. Diego is next. Bush, Justin Lamas, BC, you guys hype Gavin Lux so much. Make it you make it seem like he's Corey Seager or Trey Turner. No one's asking for that. I'm telling you, no one is asking for a Corey Seager or Trey Turner. I think those are unrealistic expectations. Let's First, let's see if he can have a full, healthy season. Let's see if he can be an average bat. Let's take those baby steps with Gavin Lux before we start comparing him to All-Stars and World Series MVPs. Giants have a Mickey Mouse shortstop, Marso, Marco Luciano. I love that one. Any type of, I'll give you a finish him for that one. If Stevenson signed, would he take over the closer? Apologies, just signed in. That's from Robbie Lester. So, Let's switch gears and let's talk about the latest Dodgers rumors here. And when you bring that up, I have a lot of thoughts on Stevenson because Robert Stevenson last season towards the back part of it, towards the back part of last season, I just going to put this simply. He was the best reliever in baseball. That's how good he was when it comes to missing bats and whiff rate and how his cutter completely changed his performance levels. I'm confident in saying that he was the dirtiest, nastiest reliever in the sport. And if you look at earlier in his career, just to rewind on Robert Stevenson, he's someone that really struggled as a starting pitcher. A 491 ERA and 326 innings with the Reds, Rockies, and the Pirates. So a 491 ERA with the first three teams that he played for. And then with the Tampa Bay Rays, everything changed. With the Rays, he was outstanding. He had a 42.9% strikeout rate, a 235 ERA, a 245 FIP. And he was just really, really outstanding last season. Even if you include his innings with the Pirates, he had an ERA at 310 and a FIP at 322. But the latest on Robert Stevenson is that the Dodgers are one of the teams that's interested in him. This is from MLB Network. John Morosi tweeted out about Ken Rosenthal. He tweeted, as the Josh Hader talks pick up with Houston per Ken Rosenthal and Chandler Rome, the market is moving forward for Robert Stevenson, the top available righty reliever. The Mets, Dodgers, and Phillies are among the clubs with interest in Stevenson. So first, let's break out the Dodgers rumor meter. Let's just do it in my head. I think for this one, I'll give it three Dodger dogs. I think you could say there's serious smoke with this rumor only because... The way the market is lining up, is he going to get the kind of contract that he's after? And if you look at projections and some estimates, what can Robert Stevenson sign for? Well, probably a three-year deal at best at around 30 to high 40 million, right? I think more around 35 to 36 million on a three-year deal. So that tells you that maybe if he's not happy with the market, that the Dodgers possibly, if they could get him on a shorter-term deal, maybe they consider going that route. Could you get Robert Stevenson on a one-year $10 million deal? Could you get him on a one-year 
12 million dollar deal something in that range because that's something that you would want to consider if you're LA he's 30 years old so I'm sure with the year he had with the Rays he's probably trying to maximize that he's probably trying to see the most he can get from that contract because He's been inconsistent throughout his career. Now, the cons of Stevenson for the Dodgers are, one, they need a lefty, he's a righty, and two, the back of the baseball card, right? The track record hasn't been consistent. It's not like he has years and years of being a lights-out reliever, but the pro to that, on the flip side, is that's why you could get him at a discounted rate. That's why you could get value out of him because he doesn't have a long history of being an elite reliever but let's just talk about the year he had because I find it extremely fascinating because everyone talks about the Dodgers right everyone talks about what we've been able to do I say we I'm one of those guys who yeah I didn't play for the team I don't have a jersey that says DMAC on the back I don't play for the organization I still say we I'm trying to phase that fanboy thing out of my vernacular but you know I'm just gonna still say we we the Dodgers are great at developing right great at reclamation projects and turning pitchers careers around but no one does that better than the Tampa Bay Rays right and of course you see the link between Andrew Friedman and the Rays and I'm sure there's something to that and the guys that he's hired right but with Stevenson when he was traded from the Pirates last season to the Rays for Alika Williams on June 2nd overnight he was a new pitcher and how did he change what was the difference well with the Rays, they immediately modified his pitch mix. He started throwing an upper 80s cutter, and he completely replaced his slider with that cutter. It was four ticks up on the velocity. It had a different shape. And by September, he was throwing that cutter almost 75% of the time. So he has an elite lethal cutter, and he combines that with a fastball that sits anywhere between 96 and 97 miles per hour. And... Last season, opponents made contact with that cutter just 41.1% of the time, and he struck out hitters at a 42.9% clip. That was better than Josh Hader. And with that cutter, he's able to get whiffs. He's able to get whiffs in the zone, and frankly, he makes hitters make bad decisions at the plate, right? This is Major League Baseball. Not only can they time a bullet, but they also have great play discipline. If you have filthy stuff that's out of the zone, great hitters aren't going to offer at that. But what he can do is he is able to get that swing and miss in the zone, and he's able to get hitters to make undisciplined swings, and that's something that he does at a very elite level, at least with the Rays. But like I said, this could have been a flash in the pan, right? Was this something that maybe isn't sustainable? I'm not so sure. Look at what... The Dodgers did with Ryan Brazier by having him implement the cutter into his arsenal and what that did for him. But go back and watch. Watch Stevenson last season. That cutter, nastier than a gas station bathroom. The effectiveness, his bread and cutter now moving forward makes me believe that he can establish himself moving forward as one of the best relievers in the sport. He had 42 appearances too. So 42 appearances with the Tampa Bay Rays, he had 60 strikeouts and just eight walks, too. Just eight walks. So lots of strikeouts, not a lot of walks. That's how you want it. I want to strike out hitters at a high clip. I want to walk hitters at a low clip. And he allowed just 18 hits in 38 in the third innings with Tampa Bay. 
We talked about the strikeout rate. We talked about the ERA. We talked about the FIP. And opponents hit just 138 off of him. So he struggled with command in the past. And the big question for Stevenson is, look, like the author, Robert Louis Stevenson, Dr. Jekyll and Hyde, are we going to see less Jekyll, right? Are we going to see that? Is he going to revert back to that at some point moving forward? Or is this what he is moving forward? Have they truly found something? Because I think if you look at the upside and the ceiling of the relievers that are available in free agency, I'd argue that Stevenson's for next season is higher than Josh Hader's. I truly believe that. Based on what the numbers say, based on how he looked, based on the fact that opposing hitters they're not used to going up against this version of Stevenson, right? And he's also a great story, too. I mean, this is someone who was a first-round pick back in 2011. Things just didn't work out in Cincinnati. And consider this as well. Cincinnati, Colorado, two hitter-friendly parks. You had the band box there, the great American small park, right? You got Coors Field, which is like, anytime you're playing at Coors Field, I'm pretty sure that I could hit, like, 205 if I was playing at Coors Field. To me, Coors Field, hitting at Coors Field is like bowling with the bumpers on for hitters. That's how it is, okay? So he had to pitch in both of those ballparks. And then, yes, with Pittsburgh, he didn't have success. PNC is more balanced. But what he learned in Tampa Bay, I think it's sustainable. I, d I definitely believe that he can sustain this, and I'm a believer in him as a pitcher. But let me know down below in the comment section, what are your thoughts on Stevenson? Bruce Davis says Stevenson is garbage. We got Rafael Lopez. I agree on that Lux take good average and RBIs. Alonzo R., how are all my fellow Dodgers fans doing today? We're doing great, man. It's a great day to be a Dodger fan every single day, especially with pitchers and catchers reporting. I believe it's February 9th. 68 days away from getting things going for the season. You got opening day in Korea. I'm going to be in Korea for that game. I got to get my tickets. Yobaseo, it's going to be exciting, okay? So I can't wait. I'm going to see Daniel Kim, who was on this show, after we saw out of the Dodgers sign, Hunsuk Jong. So it's going to be cool to meet up with him. But there's so much excitement around this organization. Now, I asked you guys over on Twitter, and... I want you guys to respond to this question. What do you think are the biggest questions that the Dodgers need to answer in 2024? And we're going to do a multi-part series on this, but what are the biggest questions that the Dodgers need to answer in 2024? And I'm going to read what you guys had to say over on Twitter. We got someone over here saying they need to answer when is the parade Jay Jacobs, how the starting pitching holds up throughout the season? That's a great question. That's absolutely a question I need to answer because that's fair. I mean, for as much talent as they've brought in, and you have rebuilds, right? This was a sprint rebuild. This was a, I'm calling it the sprint rebuild for this rotation because you fortified it in one offseason. But you also have a pitcher that you gave $325 million to that has never thrown a pitch at the big league level. It's going to need to adjust to a big league schedule, right? You don't have that once-a-week schedule that we see Japanese pitchers get in the NPB. Ball's different. Mound's different. He's adjusting to life outside of baseball in America. So how will they hold up? 
How will Tyler Glass now hold up? Will Tyler Glass now be made of glass, right? He's someone that the most innings he's pitched in the season is 121. The 120, the most games he started is 121. So I personally believe that you're going to see a lot of contributions from some of these young Dodgers. I think that instead of going out there and trading for a veteran starting pitcher, I think you're going to see them give opportunities to Landon Knack and Gavin Stone and Nick Frosso, Kyle Hurd, Emmett Sheehan, this young generation of Dodgers pitchers that have proven to be elite at the Meyer League level. All the hype is around their ability to develop starting pitchers. They have that surplus at the Meyer League level, and you are going to show guys that this is the reality, right? You're going to show teams out there that these young pitchers, they have it and they can get it done in the show. And you also factor in if you're going to trade any of these starting pitchers and address a need and fill in a hole during the season, you want to give teams a look, right? You want to show them that Landon Knack and Gavin Stone and Kyle Hurt and all these guys, Nick Frosso and Emmett Chin, you want to show them that these guys have it, whereas if you go out there and get a veteran starting pitcher that fills those innings, well, you're not going to have them develop at the same rate, right? It's going to stunt their development because they're not getting the opportunities at the big league level. And then you got teams out there wondering how good those prospects are, right? Are those prospects as good as advertised? Because the Dodgers are saying, look, we don't believe in these guys. We need to go out there and get a Shane Bieber, right? I think it's a fair question, though, because... Look, this is team is as win now as you could possibly get. So I think it's a fantastic question. And not only is is that a big question about Yoshinobu Yamamoto and Tyler Glass now, but how about the return of Walker Buehler coming back after his second major arm injury? How will Bobby Miller fare in his second season when teams out there have all the video, all the data on him? The hitters are going to be more well-versed. He's not going to be sneaking up on people, right? It's one thing to sneak up on people. Bobby Miller ain't sneaking up on people, right? How will he handle his second year in the show? Will he have a sophomore slump, or will he build on the momentum of last season? Then, Clayton Kershaw, will he be back? Emmett Sheehan, what are you going to get out of him? So, there are a lot of questions about this rotation for as much talent as they do have. So, I think that's one of the biggest ones, quite frankly. So, I appreciate that question over there, Jay Jacobs, over on Twitter. And then we've got Keaton Woodemese who says, what day of the week is the parade going to be scheduled on? So, there we go. Get a little cocky. I'm here for it. But I will warn you. I will caution you. This is baseball, right? This isn't the NBA where right when they signed Kevin Durant, you knew they were winning multiple championships. This isn't that sport. This is the sport where the best team in the regular season, at best, is given around a 30% chance to win the World Series. If you want a sport like that, go watch F1 Racing with Max Verstappen. Go watch a sport where the best team almost always wins. I don't know if you saw this a couple months ago where there was a reporter from Fangraphs who tweeted out the statistic where if you wanted to have the same variance level in the baseball postseason compared to the NBA postseason, you would have had to play 80 games, 80 games, right? So in basketball, the best team almost always wins, save for when Dikembe Mutombo is clutching the ball and they beat the Sonics there in 1994 or when you had the We Believe Warriors beating the Mavericks or you had the Knicks making it all the way to the NBA Finals in 1999 in that lockout season. Save for certain examples, the best team mostly always wins 
in basketball. Same goes for football. It doesn't always happen in baseball. That's what makes it such a special sport. Ivy Stroken says lunchtime. What's for lunch, Ivy Stroken? Francisco, I think it was Elitrach who said it. I want to go back and read your comment. By the way, what do you think is the biggest question that the Dodgers need to answer in 2024? This is from Muck Dog over there. Will all those 200 hitters in the back half of the lineup be able to produce against the best of the best pitching in October? I think that's a fire take from our friend Muck Dog over on Twitter. So I'm gonna give you one of these. And I love that. I love that question because what we what what did Ron Say say during the interview with him? When I talked to Ron Say, he told me that look in the postseason you can't rely on a bunch of 200 hitters. And that's one of the big reasons why this team got bounced by the Padres, by the San Diego Dads there that season, because you're relying on a top-heavy lineup with Mookie and Freddie and Trey Turner, not enough other guys. We got uh, <laughs> – pause, that one threw me off. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, look, they absolutely need to see – can you get that production down the lineup? Can you hit for average? Can you put the ball in play and avoid those cold spells in the postseason like we saw last year when this team just could not hit? I mean, this Dodgers offense was on a milk box missing, and that's one of the big big reasons why they lost to the Diamondbacks and the Padres both years. It wasn't the pitching. It was the offense. Offense couldn't produce. This is from Joey over on Twitter. Will they serve sushi at Dodgers Stadium? Will they bring back... Uh, the all-you-can-eat Dodgers and the all, oh my gosh, I would love this is will they bring back the all-you-can-eat pavilion and that'd be amazing. All-you-can-eat in the Dodgers left in the pavilion was incredible. The real question is how many postseason games will it take to win the World Series? Yeah, first of all, the all-you-can-eat pavilion one, that's like the Vince McMahon meme when he's looking all sad. It's, hey dad, what was the all-you-can-eat pavilion like at Dodger Stadium? You just kind of cry a little because you get a little emotional, but I really wish they would bring that back. I did some damage there back in the day. Gavin, pitching depth in postseason hitting still. More cocky Dodgers fans. I love it. Mike says, what, what date will the championship parade be? So you guys are saying, hey, let's fit those rings already. Birthday, nothing. They have a million questions to answer in the postseason. Can you hit in October? That's from Monica O'Brien. Can they win a playoff game? What is the parade route? That's from Derek. Yeah, they, what is the parade route going to be? Maybe, are we we going to go Frig, Figaro. We're going to go all the way to Dodger Stadium. Can they find a left-handed pitcher? That's from William Lane. Jack, who will they start against teams with a great left-handed hitting lineup? Yeah, look, I mean, a couple of points there. If you're a starting pitcher in baseball, your splits are going to be pretty close to average, right? You're going to handle both sides of the plate pretty well but it is a question because we've seen this rotation be heavy left-handed in the past with Kershaw and Urias we also saw in the past you had a heavy right-handed pitching staff as well so I think they're just looking for overall talent at this point but I do think that if you're going to spot the pimple on a model give me a left-handed reliever I definitely think that's something that they definitely should Address. I love the Dodgers, even we had for call at short. That's from Rafael Lopez. Of course, man. I love Rafael for call. Mr. Jonah Red, food processor. Okay. So, yeah, a couple more comments here, guys, and we will let you guys enjoy the rest of your Friday. We're going to be back with you this weekend, so look for us on the channel. I'm dropping a top 10 prospects video 
with my friend Mr. Casey Porter of Dodgers underscore daily. We got into it, and uh, he brought some serious prospect knowledge. You will not want to miss that. You got to know about your future Dodgers stars. We got BT Fouls. Parade starts at Dodgers Stadium and ends at D-Max Place. Oh, let's do it, man. Let's do it. Party at my pad. Party at my pad. We got to all teams are going through what the Dodgers are going through. We got Dylan McKay. Can we call up Ronan Cop to give us relief innings? Ronan Cop, lots of talent. Dylan, watch that video. We talk about Cop tomorrow. We should sign Blake Snell. That's from Zolex. I totally disagree with that take. Yankees aren't going to sign Blake Snell. The Dodgers were never going to sign Blake Snell. I've been telling you that for months, that the Dodgers were never going to be interested in Blake Snell, and they haven't, and they won't, because he's someone that you're having to overpay for because the year he did have, and don't get me wrong, Blake Snell is someone that is going to provide a lot of value to a team, but they got their frontline starting pitchers, and you've got that... Big deal you gave for Yoshinobu Yamamoto. But that's going to do it for this episode of Dodgers Dugout. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. Now, one last reminder. If you want to win that Shohei Otani number 17 jersey, absolutely make sure you're subscribed and comment done down below. So definitely don't want to miss out on that. And you'll also be eligible for all of our future giveaways. So stay tuned for those. couple more comments here. Jamie, in the playoffs, the hardest series is the first one, the best of five. You don't have the margin for error. In my opinion, it gives the advantage to the weaker team. Jamie, I've been saying that for years, and I could not agree with you more. You hit the nail on the head, and the reason for that is when you have the depth that the Dodgers do have, that shows up and surfaces through the course of a seven-game series, right? A five-game series against a team that just won a wild-card round that won that wild card series that's coming in there hot with a lot of momentum I agree with you and I think that that's going to be something that we're going to look at moving forward for the sport because you can't afford to lose the Braves and the Dodgers every single year and if the better team the team with more stars that has had a better regular season continues to falter in that round after the expanded postseason and you have that five-day layoff I agree with you 100%. They're going to have to address that because, yeah, everyone acts like they want upsets in the NCAA tournament. Everyone acts like they want Sister Jean and Loyola of Chicago to make it far. No, they don't. Ratings reflect it. You want Duke and Kentucky and UCLA and all the big names in the NCAA tournament. Cinderella is overrated. No one tunes into Cinderella, right? They tune in for the brand names, the marquee names, the biggest stars, and I agree with you on that level that it definitely hurts you when you're that five. Wait, please, DMAC, don't end up in uh, in South Korea. I think no, South Korea is the one that I want to be. I think you're thinking the other way around. You know, it's funny when I used to be a I used to be a t when I was a, a Hollywood tour guide at Warner Brothers. When I would get people from Korea, and I would look back and I would ask them, I was like, I would ask them where they're from, and they would tell me Korea. I would always say North or South, and they'd always laugh. But uh, good times here at Dodgers Nation, guys, and be sure to be subscribed to the channel. We're going to give you full coverage in Korea. It's going to be incredible what this team is going to be. I think it's going to be the first time you see this team as truly rock stars for sure. But that's going to do it for this episode. Remember, nothing brings us together quite like Dodger baseball. And until next time, think blue, bleed blue. In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. 
Bring them home. Bring them home. 